0: So, John 16, verse 12 to 15, and the theme for this evening's message, the Holy Spirit. That's the series, and then tonight, the Spirit and the Word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come in the grace that you have given us, and in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, you have been exalted, Lord Jesus. We bow before you, our King, our Lord and our God. We pray that you would speak. You who are the living word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a quote for you by John Wesley. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. God has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. Let me be a man of one book. And this is the book you have open on your lap, the Bible. So what makes the Bible different from any other human book? Why was the Bible so precious and so valuable to John Wesley? Why is the Bible so precious to us? Why does the psalmist say, it is more precious than gold, even fine gold, and thousands of gold and silver pieces? Well, let's look at it from John 16:12. Jesus says to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For we will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He, the Holy Spirit, will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So, Two points this evening number one the Bible is the truth I did not say the Bible is true I'm going to explain that in a moment I'm saying the Bible is the truth and that is in verse 12 and 13a now this is the night before Jesus dies John 13 to John 17 this is the last teaching Jesus is going to give to the disciples before he dies And there's a lot he could have said. He could have said more had he wished to do so, but he didn't teach them more. Why not? What does verse 12 say? They won't understand it yet. They cannot bear it now, the things that he still has to say. It's like feeding a baby fillet steak and oxtail. You're not helping the kid. Give it milk. (laughs) The disciples were not ready for this yet. They They were still on milk. They couldn't deal with this. They couldn't bear it after the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they would understand better. And so we we know what happened after the resurrection. Jesus, remember when they were in the upper room and they still didn't get it? And then Jesus says, don't you understand the scriptures? Don't you understand the prophecies in the Old Testament? This had to happen, that I had to go through these sufferings and then be buried and be raised on the third day. And suddenly their minds are opened to understand the Scriptures. Jesus opens their minds. And then the 40 days Jesus is still on earth after the resurrection. We read in Acts chapter 1 verse, verse uh, 1 to 3 that Jesus still taught them many other things about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so there are things that He still had to teach them. And then after Jesus goes to heaven and 10 days later He pours out the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit teaches them great and wonderful things they did not know. And that's what Jesus says in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. End of the verse, um, it says, He will declare to you things that are to come. He's going to tell you more things, not just the things happening now. Now, the, the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit taught the apostles... The very same things that the apostles wrote down. Now the Holy Spirit's teaching us those things. How does the Holy Spirit teach a Christian? Well, there are many ways. There's not just one way. The Holy Spirit teaches us. Psalm 119 verse 71. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, says verse 67. But now I keep your commandments. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I went through the suffering. Now I learn wonderful things. Now I see your word. Now I understand. The Holy Spirit teaches us by giving the gift of teaching in a church. So the Holy Spirit gives this gift, and then these people teach the scriptures. The Holy Spirit teaches us by individuals. Sometimes the preacher is wrong, and someone has to take the preacher aside, like Priscilla and Aquila, and they have to tell Apollos, this is wonderful, your teaching is great, but there's one thing you lack. You don't understand this correctly, and they show him, because he only knew of the baptism of John the Baptist. So they have to teach him. The Holy Spirit teaches us through meditation, through the reading of the Scriptures, through prayer when we ask Him to enlighten our minds, our hearts. He teaches us as Rulf read for us in 1 Corinthians 2 where spiritual truths are interpreted spiritually. The Holy Spirit opens your heart, He opens your mind to understand. The Holy Spirit teaches us through exercise, spiritual exercise. Keep on reading, keep on studying, keep on reading. And then you grow from drinking milk, milk to eating meat. But it comes through constant practice in the scriptures and listening to the truth. Uh, the unction, the anointing of the Spirit, 1 John two twenty seven. The anointing will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit instructs and teaches now, you will never be able to say, now, you know, I've done, been there, done that, I've read the Bible so many times, now I know it all. <laughs> I remember the late Martin Holt in this very pulpit. It must have been in the year, uh, I, think, I think it might have been 1998. I was a first year student. I was sitting there and Martin Holt was preaching. I might have been a fourth year, but I know it was during my studies. And he said, if you should live a thousand years, You will still not exhaust the Bible. You can become as old as Methuselah, 969 years. You will not know everything about the Bible. What a wonderful book. There's always room for us to grow and to have greater understanding in the Word. You know the Apostle Paul is at the end of his life. He's sitting in prison. He's going to die soon. He says that in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. A few verses later, seven verses later, he says, Timothy, please please bring the books and the parchments. He still wants to learn. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to die. I might as well stop learning. He still wants to learn. Wow. I remember a man in our church, late Wim Andres Rousseau, right to the end of his life, he was still devouring the Bible, reading the scriptures I remember in one year, when when Andris read the, the New Testament five times, the Old Testament four times in a year, he said, sleeping, that's for the birds. Learning. And the Holy Spirit will teach us at the right time. Whatever you need to learn. Verse 12 says, Jesus tells them, you're not ready for this yet. I can't teach you this now. The Holy Spirit will come. Verse 13, He will teach you when He comes. So at the right time, he will teach you. And He also knows what's your capacity. He knows how much you can handle. How big is the capacity to take in? If you if you got to obey a, a new plant, a seedling, and you, over, you water it too much, you're going to kill it. So the Holy Spirit knows He can't give you too much water. He can't give you too much of this and this and this in the Bible. He, that won't help you. The roots are going to rot. So He knows the capacity and you can increase the capacity and ask Him increase it. Psalm 119 tells us this in verse 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Oh Lord, enlarge my heart. Make it bigger. Increase the capacity. I want to take in. Listen to more of the Word. More preaching. More sermons. More Bible reading. More meditation on the Scriptures. More prayer. More interaction with other believers. In studying the Word of God. More obedience to the Scriptures. And then you'll grow from being a a spiritual baby, a child, to being a spiritual young man, to being a spiritual father. 1 John 2 verse 12 to 14. Now, the Holy Spirit here is called, in verse 13, the Spirit of? Truth. Why? What does the Holy Spirit teach you? The truth. Who is the truth? I am the way and the truth. So he teaches us all about Jesus Christ from the scriptures. And he shows us about the Lord Jesus Christ as we come. And the more we see Jesus, the more we see the truth in the word of God. We see Christ in our relationship with him. We see Christ in prayer and as we fellowship with him. The more you see Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18. From glory to glory we're being transformed. So Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. 1 John 5 verse 6. And the Bible is the truth. John 17 verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Of Afrikaans, his word is nie. I'm going to explain the difference in a moment. So if the Holy Spirit is the truth, and Christ is the truth, and the Bible is the truth, then the Holy Spirit and the Bible and Christ will never say something false. The Bible says nothing that is inaccurate. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3 verse 4. God cannot lie. Titus 1 verse 2, Hebrews 6 verse 18. So whatever God says is the truth. What the Holy Spirit tells us in the Bible is the truth. It is perfect truth. So the big message of the Bible is the truth. And every detail is the truth. I remember my Old Testament professor telling us in my first year. He said, the big message of the Bible is true. But there are a lot of detailed mistakes in the Bible. That is not true. What he said is not true. Psalm 119 verse 160. The sum, 160, six zero, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous, righteous rules endures forever. Psalm 119 verse 19, 96. I've seen a limit to all perfection. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. Scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is like silver refined in the earth, refined in a furnace, seven times it's so pure. Psalm 12, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. We read of a man called Agar, and he says the following. Let me just get there quickly. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. You add to God's word, he will prove you to be a liar. God is true. And every word of God proves true. Every jot, every tittle, the, the, the finest point in the Hebrew Bible, Jesus Speaking here in Matthew 5 verse 18, the finest point, every jot and every tittle is the word of God. Not a single jot or tittle will be removed from God's law. It stands fast. It stands like a rock. God's word is so detailed that even a past tense or a present tense matters. A past tense, present tense. Jesus said, quoting from Exodus 3, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Jesus is playing on a a present tense and a past tense there. Not I was the God. They're still alive. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because God is their God, or the Apostle Paul. Galatians 3, verse 16. It does not say offsprings, plural, but offspring, singular. That is Christ, Paul says. So even that matters. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is inspired by God. So here's the difference between saying the Bible is true or the Bible is truth. The Bible is not true because science tells us so. The Bible is not true because philosophy tells us so. Or the Roman Catholic Church or the Protestant Church tells us so. If you say that, then man's word becomes the standard. Whatever man says, be it science or philosophy or the church, religion, whatever. Suddenly the Bible is no longer the standard for truth. You've now said the Bible is true. By what standard? By science? Now you've put science above the Bible. That is now the measuring stick to say the Bible is true. How do you know it? Because science says so or the church says so. No, the Bible is the truth. It is the standard of truth. It is the standard by which we measure everything. If man's word is the standard for truth, be it science or archaeology or philosophy or psychology, as as soon as you make man's word the standard, then there is no longer absolute truth because our knowledge increases. We there's technology, there's advancement, we learn new stuff, we make new discoveries. And now suddenly, whatever you said in archaeology 50 years ago, you say, oh, we made a mistake. Oops. And now truth, truth, quote unquote, changes. Only the word of God, only God does not change. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, man is like grass and like the flower of grass. We just fade. But God's word Remains forever. God does not change. James 1.17, Hebrews 13.8, Malachi three verse six. God is the same always. And His word too. So the Holy Spirit gives us faith. And we believe in the Bible. And we believe the Bible is its own authority. John Owen said it's like someone coming to you. And say, How do you know the sun really exists? Prove it. The sun proves itself by its own light. And if the person should say, I don't believe that, either you're blind or you're stupid. The Bible, in the same way, prove to me the Bible is true. The Bible is its own authority. It's like Charles Spurgeon said, the famous illustration. Here, a couple of men coming with clubs and with sticks and with knives. And there's a lion in a cage behind you. And they're coming to attack the lion. Are you going to defend the lion? Spurgeon says, just open the cage. The lion will defend itself. Just open the Bible. Just preach the Bible. Let scripture defend itself. The Bible is its own authority. I'll give you an example of this. There was a guy called Geisbert in Stellenbosch. And he was really interested in this girl. He was a student. And he was interested in this girl. And eventually he spoke to this girl and said, Listen, I want to marry you. She said, I can't marry you. You're an atheist. I'm a Christian. I cannot marry, marry an unbeliever. And he said, No, please, you must. And she said, No, I'm a Christian. And then he, then he took it to himself to say, I'm going to read through the Bible and I'm going to prove this Bible is wrong. And so he started after class that, let's say, lunchtime. The next morning when the sun rose in Stellenbosch, he'd read through the entire New Testament, and he was saved. I've heard stories like that about communism. The communists putting pamphlets, putting out pamphlets with Bible verses into show. Look how the Bible contradicts itself, and then people read it, and they get saved. (laughs) Bible is its own authority, truly. (laughs) Hebrews 4 verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it searches the intentions of the heart. Everything lies open, naked, open before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. The Word of God just cuts through the intentions. And you sit in a sermon and you're listening to the preaching and your sin is exposed. Or your hopelessness, or your discouragement, or your unbelief, or your prayerlessness, or... The Lord just puts salve sol- he he puts ointment on the wounds and he brings the gospel of hope or the promises of God from scripture. What a powerful word. So the Bible is the measuring rod. The Bible is the standard by which you and I measure everything to see is it true or not. Other things are true. The Bible other things are true if it's in line with the Bible. The Bible is the truth. So your intuition, your dreams, your proddings, your prickings, your psychology, your archaeology, your pastor, and what he says is not the standard of truth. They can be wrong. The Bible cannot be wrong. To the teaching and to the testimony. You going going to visit... uh, people with their, their seances and crystal balls and, and predictions about the future and reading your palm and reading your stars. And Isaiah says, you want to consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. Go to the word of God. If these people do not go to scripture, then it's because they have no light. Don't run to all kinds of other things to f- try and find help and things. These think these things will help you. What has what straw got to do with wheat? Give me wheat. Give me corn. Give me bread. I don't want to eat dry stalks or chaff. Give me the word of God. You prophets, you have your dreams. You have your visions. We don't trust them. We trust the word of God. And I'll say something about prophecy and prophecy these kinds of things in a moment. The Word of God is a hammer that breaks rock in pieces. It's a fire that burns, that consumes, that purifies. You honor God by honoring His Word. And we owe to God To the Bible. The same respect we owe to God. Let me just give you a quote by John Calvin. And then I'll show you it's biblical. We owe to the scripture. The very same reverence which we owe to God. Because it has proceeded from God alone. It says nothing belonging to man mixed with it. Now John Calvin didn't mean. That there were no human authors. John Calvin didn't mean that God didn't use people to write. But he did mean. Whatever the human author said, it comes from the Spirit of God. They spoke the words of the Spirit. The Spirit spoke through humans. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, "Persecution's coming, and you're going to stand before an emperor or before a governor? Don't be afraid what you will speak in that hour. Don't even plan your speech. Why? The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Whatever you need to speak in that moment. Ephesians 3, verse 5, Paul says that all these teachings that have now been revealed to his apostles and the prophets, it's the Spirit giving them. Let me just go to that verse in Ephesians 3 for a moment. Ephesians 3, verse 5. These things was, were not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Spirit gave them these words. These are not men's opinions. This is the Word of God. Now, some people are going to accuse me and saying you are busy with bibliolatry. Bibliolatry means you are making an idol of the Bible. You are worshipping the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible, people will say. The truth is, we believe the Bible is a supernatural book from the heart of God. Therefore, there are verses in the Bible like Psalm 56. Verse 4 and verse 10, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can a man do to me? That is why Paul says, pray that the gospel, the word, would speed ahead the word of the Lord. It must run fast so that this word will be praised as it's praised among these Gentiles. These have already been converted. I tremble at your word, O God. I tremble at your judgments. Oh, how I love your word. I lift up my hands to your word. Psalm 119 tells us in verse 48. We humble ourselves before the word. We tremble. Isaiah 66 verse 2 and verse 5. When the Gentiles heard this, they praised the word of the Lord. It says in Acts 13 verse 48. So to honor the Bible, it doesn't mean we don't put another book on top of the Bible. As a guy wants to, I respect the Bible. I don't put anything on top of my Bible. But he didn't obey the Bible. He beat his wife. Not honoring the Bible. To say we honor the Bible doesn't mean we think these are magical pages and you do this to a Satanist and he, and he jumps back five meters, as someone told me long ago. No, to honor the Bible means that you respect God's word. You know this book is your very life. Deuteronomy 32 verse 47. It means we preach this word. We instruct people from this word. We meditate on this word day and night. It means we obey this word. Let me tell you something that will help you if my sermon is going to be longer than 15 minutes tonight. In the 1500s, the Puritans, they used to have a stand next to the pulpit. I've actually seen photos of this. After I heard it um, in a sermon, I I Googled to see. So it's a picture of this long metal stand, and then they've got an hourglass in it. Uh, The congregation would give it to their pastor as a gift. So it's got an hourglass in. He gets to turn it twice in the preaching. So he can preach for two hours. And when he had turned it twice, I think it was Richard Greenham. When he had turned it twice, he said, I'm sorry, my time is up. They said, go on, preacher, go on. Give us the word. Why? Because some of them sitting there, says Mark Dever, some of them could still smell in their nostrils burning flesh Human flesh, people being burnt for the word of God, for teaching their children the Lord's Prayer in English, for teaching them the Ten Commandments in English, for translating the Bible into English. Oh, they never had the Bible. They heard it in the Roman Catholic Church in Latin. They didn't understand a word. Now it's in English. We want the word. And we moan and groan in many churches. And this guy's going on. It's 50 minutes. we The Holy Spirit taught this word to the apostles and to the prophets. Verse 13, he will guide you into all the truth. David said in, in 2 Samuel 23. Let me Just get there. It's just difficult to have the mic in one hand and try and sort this out. 2 Samuel 23 where he says, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. Samuel 23, verse 2. Sorry, guys. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me, his word is on my tongue. And the Apostle Paul 1. Timothy 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 8. If anyone disregards this, the things I've just written to you, he disregards not man, but he disregards God who gives you his Holy Spirit. What Paul writes is the Word of God. What David writes is the Word of God. What the other apostles and prophets write, it's the Word of God. So we trust this book. Now, I don't mean the Holy Spirit dictated. You know, in in primary school, I remember the teacher would do this. John eats an apple, and all of us have to write. John eats an apple. That's not what the Holy Spirit did. Every human author had his own personality and his own style of writing. The Holy Spirit used that. The Holy Spirit gave them, although that's true, the Holy Spirit gave them the exact words to write. Not dictation. He used their personalities, but it's the true word of God. So when when the apostles wrote the words of Jesus, did they make mistakes? Did they make some errors and say what Jesus didn't really say? What does verse 13 say? He will lead you into all the truth. What does verse 14 say? He will not speak on his own authority. Only what he hears from Christ, he will speak. Chapter 14, verse 26. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will remind you of this truth. So the apostles did not say things that Jesus didn't say. They didn't say, Jesus said. Jesus did. And actually, oops, Jesus didn't say that. My memory must be going. Jesus didn't do that. No. They wrote exactly what Jesus did and said. You know, the Muslims will tell you. Muslims will say, no, the four Gospels in the New Testament, that's been corrupted. That's not the true thing. Those aren't really Jesus' words. No, the apostles wrote the full truth. Of what Jesus said and did, and they gave us everything, apostles and prophets, everything we need to live a life pleasing to God. I quoted two Timothy three sixteen earlier. Verse 17 says, Why do we have these scriptures? All scripture that's inspired, the whole Bible, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. You have everything you need. Two Peter one verse three. Through the knowledge of Him, we have all things we need for life and godliness. Everything we need to live the Christian life is in the Bible. So whatever, I don't care who you are, if you're Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey or whoever. Whatever insights people can give us about marriage, about counseling, about raising children, about politics, about economy, about emotional problems, that adds nothing to the Bible. Nothing. We have everything we need In the word of God. Bible is enough. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 3. We don't go to empty philosophies and vain deceits of men. Says Colossians 2 verse 8. Everything you need is here. In the Old Testament, God spoke in many ways at many times through the prophets to our fathers. In these last days, he's come and he's spoken to us through his son. And whatever Jesus wanted us to know, whatever Jesus did and said that he wanted us to know, the Spirit gave to the apostles, it's written down. It is written. It is finished. We do not add to the Bible. We do not take away from the Bible, says Revelation 22 to us. So we don't have extra books in our Bible or take take out books we do not like. So when there is subjective leading, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, does lead us subjectively, That means sometimes by laying things upon your your mind or reminding you of things or putting things in your heart, burden to pray for that person or whatever. So whenever the Spirit leads you subjectively or whenever there is the gift of prophecy, which I believe does continue in the church today. It is for a specific situation, a specific, maybe small group of people, maybe an individual, whatever it may be. It is not new teaching that is added to the Bible. It is not new doctrine that is revealed that we never had in our Bibles. It is for a specific case. So all those things, your subjective leading, whether it's the gift of prophecy, you measure it against Scripture. You do not quench the Holy Spirit. You do not despise the prophecies, but you measure them. You test them. And if they're good, you keep them. If they're false, you reject them. If any prophet does not acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is a word of the Lord, says Paul, then he, sh- he is not acknowledged. 1 Corinthians 14.37 Number two, the Bible is God's word. And that's in verse 13b to verse 15. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Tell me what you think about this. I've heard this a number of times. Actually, I just heard it in the past week. Jesus spoke. In Aramaic, many people would say Hebrew, but he spoke in Aramaic, Aramaeus. What language did the apostles write the New Testament? Well, Greek. So obviously they must have twisted some of Jesus' sayings and what Jesus taught. They, writing in Greek, he spoke in Aramaic, just like I'm, I'm saying things that aren't in my notes now, right? Because the notes are in Afrikaans and preaching, and now I'm twisting it. No, I'm not twisting it. Anyway, so we, we don't have the original words of Jesus because they wrote in Greek, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. No, no, no. All of that is wrong. The Holy Spirit gave us the exact words of Jesus. The Spirit, verse 13, he will lead you into all the truth. And verse 14, he will not speak on his own authority, only what he hears from Christ. He will take what is mine, he will declare it to you. He will take the words of Jesus and give them to us. It is insulting to the spirit to say, we don't have the exact words of Jesus. He will remind them whatever Jesus said, 1426 again. Now a liberal, there's a liberal American liberal theologian, he's not the only one saying this. Many other liberals say this, Bart Ehrman. He says, yes, but, but the early church, remember... They had the original documents, but they didn't have photocopying machines, they didn't have computers, they didn't have scanners, so they had to copy it by hand. They made a lot of mistakes. And then it was translated into different languages. We lost the original sayings of Jesus. We we have not a clue. We don't have the authentic words and teachings of Jesus. Well, again... If the Holy Spirit could preserve the word, persephir, Baho, bavar, if the Holy Spirit could protect the word and preserve the word for the apostles, so they could remember the exact words of Jesus, and he brought it back to their memory according to 1426, can God not preserve his word for us? Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens, O Lord. Psalm 119 verse 89. In Jeremiah 36, do you remember that story about King Jehoiakim? And he got the scroll of Jeremiah. His secretary read it to him and said, look what Jeremiah wrote. And what did he do to that scroll? He burnt the entire thing. There's no second copy. There's not a backup in the cloud. It's burnt in the fireplace. So now, oh no, we've lost Jeremiah. How will we ever get it again? God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, write all the words that you wrote in that first scroll. And then I want you to add something about this king." It's hidden and protected and preserved in the heart of God. You can destroy the last Bible in the world. You will not destroy the Word of God. Hidden in the heart of God. We've got it all. We've got it all. How did God preserve His Word? Well, He used human beings to do all the copying. Copying manuscripts, copying manuscripts, copying writing more and more and more. And we got many, many manuscripts, but they copied it, and they copied it accurately. Deuteronomy 17 verse 18, God said that the king must have a copy of the law and it must be checked by the Levites. It wasn't some, uh, just, oh, we got these copies, just a shoddy job. No, they were meticulous. They were detailed, checking it again, checking it again, checking it again. And that is why we've got more than 5,500 Greek manuscripts. Some say even to 5,800 Greek manuscripts and There's a 99.5% agreement. I'll talk about the 0.5% in a moment. So you've got all these Greek manuscripts. The oldest Greek fragment they have, this is not like, oh, Paul wrote in the year 56 AD and the earliest copy we have is from the year 900. No, it's not that. The oldest fragment we have is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 36, I think, to 9, verse 7. It's dated... About 20 years after John died. That's how old these manuscripts are. So we've got these, thing, these things. We've got old Bible translations. Like the Old Testament translation of, uh, out of, from the Hebrew into Greek is called the Alex X or the Septuagint. We've got this, the Syrian translation, the Syriac Peshitta. We've got the Coptic translation for the uh, Egyptian language. We've got the Vulgate translated into Latin. So you've got all these old translations, and then you read the early church fathers. You read their sermons. You've got their letters. We've got commentaries. And you check when they, when they quote from the Bible. And you see, this agrees with the Greek manuscripts. These translations, they agree with the Greek manuscripts and with the Hebrew manuscripts. And where you've got little, little differences in Greek manuscripts. I mean, that's things like a spelling of a name. <coughs> Or maybe you've got a word here like in in Mark 9, these kinds of demons will not go out except through prayer. And the other one says prayer and fasting. That makes zero difference to the Christian faith and what we believe as Christians. Zero difference. So you can can entirely trust the Bible you have on your lap. If it's a good translation, trust it. If it's the Jehovah's Witness, Witness translation, it's not the Word of God. It's been so twisted and mangled especially concerning the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. You can trust what you have. The translations we have is as accurate as the words Jesus spoke when he first spoke them. If it's a proper translation, you can trust it. And we see it in verse 13 to 15. That the Spirit preserved his word. He gave it to the apostles accurately. And we must make certain we preach it accurately. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the word of God. We believe the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, Paul said, When we first spoke to you, the words we spoke, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as that which it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So what the apostles wrote, what the prophets wrote, it's the word of God. I disagree very strongly with a professor who said at the University of Pretoria to the first year students, He die boek is He's training pastors, and he says, this is just twisted human words. This is the word of God. I wish we could just confess it all aloud. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the word of God. And as, as the word of God, the Bible has the authority over your life and over my life. Where the Bible speaks, it's God who is speaking. Romans 9, verse 17, Paul says, the scripture says to Pharaoh. Ooh. I thought it was God who said that to Pharaoh. Yes, where the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if God speaks in this book, we bow the knee. Because this book is the word of the living God. So I disagree with a pastor. I was at a little pastor's fraternal. The pastor's like a bosporate thingy. <laughs> I don't know what the English is. And... Uh, Another bush council, eh? <laughs> and so, so this pastor, he, he said to his colleague, he said, yo, yo, listen to these guys. Just listen, listen to them. He's saying the Bible says, the Bible. they not, they, don't, they never, you'll never hear them say, God says. No, it's the Bible says, the Bible says. Listen, if the Bible says, it's God who says. Or another pastor who says, no, we shouldn't say, I don't think we should say, the, uh, Paul said. We must say, the Bible said. No, when Paul says, here, it's, it's the Bible. Jesus gave his word to the apostles through the spirit. It is the word of Christ. We trust it. Now, I want to go in a it, but I don't think I should for the sake of time. Because there's something in my notes. If you have a question, I'm just going to say this. If you have a question about that, 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul says, maybe I should say it quickly. It's not I who says, it's the Lord who says. It's not the Lord saying, it is I. Or now it's the Lord saying, and not I. All Paul means is not, oh, my words aren't inspired, but Jesus' words are inspired. No, all Paul is saying, now I'm quoting the Lord, now I'm quoting Jesus, now I'm not quoting Jesus. And I have the Spirit, I too have the Spirit, he says at the end of the chapter. There is no book who has the same, that has the same authority over your life as the Word of God, as the Bible. Not the Apocrypha, these extra-biblical books, books added, not the Quran. not the Book of Mormon. Not the little red book of the Chinese communist Mao Zedong or Alan G. White's prophecies. These do not have authority over your life. The Bible, the word of God has authority. You must bow the knee and obey. And that is why any preacher in this pulpit, and it's your responsibility as a church member or a visitor to this church to check the leaders. You keep your finger on the text. Are they preaching the Bible? Don't be a chocolate soldier that melts when the battle gets hot. It's your, it's your responsibility and it's every preacher's responsibility. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. We will preach the Bible. We will preach the word of God. We will preach it to you line upon line, precept upon precept. Isaiah 28 verse 13. We will bring you the whole counsel of God and not leave out things that don't suit us or things we're too afraid because we're going to tread on people's toes. We will read the scriptures to you and we will explain the scriptures to you. We will preach the word of God in season and out of season. We will reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience in teaching by the help of God. So, do not go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the red letters of Jesus, the red words in the English, some English translations, and say those are more inspired than the black words. They're not. The whole Bible is the Word of Christ. This is the Word of the Living God. Verse 13 tells you that at the end He'll lead you into all the truth. At the end of the verse, He will also declare to you things that are to come. There are things that I'm not saying now. The apostles will write them down, and they are written. It is written. So we pre- preach the Old Testament. We preach the New Testament. We preach the things that are to come, the prophecies, to declare this is the supernatural word of God. It's not the word of men. How could men predict things like this? Detail. God says that in Isaiah. Let these gods, let, let your gods tell us the future, then we'll know their gods. But God can tell us the future the things that are to come, verse 13. And then also, furthermore, we preach Christocentric. That means we preach Christ-centered. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit will come. He will take what is mine. He will declare to you, for he will glorify me. He will glorify me. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how the apostles wrote. That's how the prophets wrote. Didn't the the prophets all point to Christ? Didn't Jesus say that to the the guys on the way to Emmaus? Emmaus? said, all these things written about me in Moses and the prophets. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19, verse 10. That centers, the whole of Scripture centers around Jesus Christ. He is the revelation of God. He shows us the Father. So make Him the center of your life if He is not. Let Jesus be the center of your life. You deny yourself. You take up your cross. You follow Christ. You boast in nothing else except in the cross of Christ by which I was crucified in the world, and the world was crucified to me. You lay it all aside. You forget what is behind. You go forward. You want that prize in Christ. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. I want the righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And then you'll grow like a plant, not in a dark room because it's going to die. You take it out of the dark room. You put it in the sun. It will flourish. You put it in the sun of righteousness. You put it in the light of Christ. You will flourish spiritually. You will grow. You will bear fruit to the glory of God. But you will not seek Jesus in the Bible. You will not seek for Christ in the Bible unless you believe this book is the word of Christ. It is the word of the Father. It is the word of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, Whatever is mine, I receive from my Father. Verse 15. And whatever is mine, the Holy Spirit takes and gives it to you. It's the word of the triune God. The Bible is from the heart of God the Father. It is spoken by God the Son. It is taken by the Holy Spirit and given to the apostles and prophets to write down. Jesus said that. I spoke nothing of my own. Only what I heard from my Father that I speak. John 12, 49 and 50, go and check it. No prophecy is from man's own interpretation. But the prophets of old spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Says 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. And by the way, if you think, yes, but that was just their speaking, not their writing. Just read the previous verse. Scripture. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. God. Whenever Jesus speaks, it is the word of God. And if the Holy Spirit takes what he hears from Jesus, and it's written down by the apostles, you respect this word. So, that is why every good confession of faith When we write down on paper, we put pen to paper to say what we believe as a church, any good confession of faith starts with, not with God, starts with, why? Why? Why does it start with, we believe the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible are inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is the authority of God. It is clear for us to show us the way. Why do we start with the Bible? It's not that we put the Bible above God. The reason we do that, if you do not start with the Bible, anyone gets to give their own view of God. Then everyone just got, has got, oh, I've got my version of God. We start with the Bible to show this is what we believe. This is the authority to determine what we believe about God. So believe the Bible. Believe the whole Bible. Everything given to us in Scripture. 66 books of the Bible. And then you you love the Bible. Like the persecuted church, if I may end with this. Haralan Popov in Bulgaria was put in prison for preaching the gospel. I think he was in prison for 13 years. And at one stage, being in prison, one day one of the prisoners takes out a New Testament. Haralan Popov hadn't seen a Bible in five years. And he says, Give me that book. And the guy says, No, it's mine. There's nice thin paper. I'd roll it up and make cigarettes, smoke. He says, No. Give me that Bible. And he grabs the Bible from the guy. The guy says, no. And Haralan Popov, the prisoners have got some money. So he takes all his money. And he says, I'll give you this if you give me that book. And the guy smiles. He says, Is this book so valuable to you? He says, yes. And he cries when he gets the Bible. His tears tears are streaming down his face. And he presses the Bible against his heart. The Bible, the Bible. And he memorizes 47 chapters of the Bible. In those days he has it. In the few months he's got the Bible. Oh, when I found your words, I ate them. Jeremiah 15, 16. I ate them. Your words to me were a delight. They were the joy of my heart. you believe the Bible? you believe it's the word of God? Oh Lord, give me this book. Lord, I want it in my heart. Oh, forgive us for neglecting your word. Give us your word, Lord. Plant it in our hearts, deep in our hearts, and make it bear fruit by the Holy Spirit. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is the truth. Amen.